Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome again to the Explaining History podcast, and today I'm going to talk about the uh, three key political leaders in uh, the Stalinist takeover of Eastern Europe, Walter Ulbricht, uh, Matthias Rokosi, and Boleslav Bayrut, um, the three communist leaders of East Germany, of uh, Hungary, and of Poland, respectively. And it's important to look at these um, uh, three characters um, because so much when we discuss the fate of Eastern Europe after the end of the Second World War focuses on the figure of Stalin himself. And it's to suggest that A, the uh, leaders of these countries lacked their own sense of agency, which isn't true uh, at all. They were quite capable uh, within certain parameters of making decisions for themselves. Um, And secondly, um, it focuses on, it it puts uh, too much uh, emphasis on Stalin being the sole driver of events after uh, 1945 to his death in, in 1953. Obviously he has a huge significance, but he doesn't wind up dealing with completely pliant uh, um, client states. These are uh, countries that have uh, had uh, Soviet communism imposed upon them, but um, they come with their own challenges, their own diplomatic ups and downs uh, as well. So let's examine them today, starting with Walter Ulbricht. And today we're looking at Anne Applebaum's um, history of uh, the period 1945 to 53, Iron Curtain, the crushing of uh, Eastern Europe. Uh, Anne Applebaum previously wrote a history of the gulags, in, entitled Gulag. Um, her, her more recent book on the Soviet famines has attracted controversy, uh, is a highly, highly contentious uh, area of, of study, and it's something hopefully we'll, we'll look at in, in the near future. We've uh, hit upon the famines uh, a number of times in the past, but it's uh, uh, a kind of a, a, a very, uh, very volatile area uh, of debate. Anyway, moving swiftly on. So, um, Anne Applebaum writes, Once their names appeared on red banners, their portraits were carried in parades. No government office, 
was complete without their photographs hanging on the wall. No national celebration could be held without them. They inspired awe and fear. Even their closest friends spoke guardedly when they entered the room. Yet in none of their respective countries are the men, sometimes known as the Little Stalins, Walter Ulbricht of East Germany, Wolleslaw Beirut of uh, Poland, and Matthias Rakosi of Hungary, now admired at all. Even at the height of their powers, none of them ever held total power. The cults created around them were merely shadow versions of the cult created around Stalin himself. His comrades frequently hailed Stalin as the great genius, the continuer of Lenin's immortal cause, something which was never quite said about Stalin's Eastern European um, imitators, I beg your pardon. At the same time, no account of post-war Eastern Europe can be complete without a brief examination of the men whose names and faces were once ubiquitous in the streets of their respective countries. I think it's so important to uh, reclaim the names of these men for the kind of the broader historical record, away from the kind of the monolithic shadow of Stalin, because uh, as it says here, um, they were uh, ubiquitous figures, uh, uh, the heads of their own regimes, and they also saw uh, a long period of. Um, contrasting and developing relations with the Soviet Union, of which not all were completely harmonious. Uh, each country had its own its own issues to resolve. So let's look at, firstly, the, the background of Walter Ulbricht, where he came from and how he emerged. He was the son of a Paul Taylor um, a, a, in Germany, and uh, he left school early to become a cabinet maker and joined uh, the Young Workers' Educational Association, a kind of a, a, a socialist club um, that was um, fixated on um, clean living and uh, temperance um, and the, the kinds of uh, attitudes and values that held working class uh, communities together um, and saw that uh, uh, there was uh, should be time for earnest discussion of the works of Marx uh, and social events, these kinds of things that uh, had existed in European countries since probably the uh, the 1890s. They sang uh, Marxist songs whilst hiking, um, and the, it was a part of the kind of the the wider phenomenon of the German youth movement that existed uh, from the uh, late 19th century uh, onwards. Um, he was drafted into the army in 1915, but deserted in 1918. He hated military life, um, and he was part of a kind of a generation of deserters, as it was clear increasingly that the war was uh, unwinnable. Um, and he witnessed in 1918 um, the revolution that unseated the Kaiser. He was um, uh, in Leipzig at the time and saw... Uh, workers' uprising uh, there and a very, very brief um, socialist republic. And at that point, um, he um, began to earnestly read Marx. He had grown up in on the kind of the periphery of Marx's discourse in sort of youth socialist groups. Um, uh, but now he began, he embraced um, uh, Marx and saw really in Marx's kind of dialectics of class struggle a simple explanation to the world um, that really all history was the history of class struggle and that the ruling classes would do what they could do to suppress the people 
and suppress the workers um, as much as, as they possibly could do. Oh, during the Weimar years, Ulbricht rose very quickly through uh, the ranks of the German Communist Party um, and became a sort of a, a very um, uh, rigorous and, and, and active party organiser um, and joined the Central Committee of the party in 1923. Um, Ulbricht was uh, an avowed uh, Leninist. Um, he uh, believed in this idea of a highly centralised party, this kind of contradictory notion that Lenin comes up with of democratic centralism. And he uh, made his first visit to Moscow in 1924-25, uh, where he joined the Lenin School, which is the uh, really kind of the cradle of Comintern. Um, and he returned back to Germany in 1926, um, where he um, became um, assistant to Ernst Thalmann, uh, party uh, chief who uh, eventually would suffer the fate uh, of the, the Nazi camps. And um, he became a uh, member of the parliament of Saxony and then a member of the Reichstag from 1928 to 33, and became the chairman of the uh, Communist Party in Berlin and Brandenburg from 1929 onwards. So he would have been very, very high uh, on the, the kind of the, the, the Nazi to-do list uh, during uh, the um, late 1920s, early 1930s. After 1928, uh, Ulbricht is uh, an about Stalinist within the KPD, and uh, he contributes to uh, one of the great catastrophes of Weimar democracy. The Red Fighting Leagues um, and the uh, other uh, communist militias that fought it out with the uh, Nazis uh, on the streets were to some extent concerned with uh, the, the rise of uh, radical nationalism and, and fascism in Germany, but were more fixated, and Ulbricht was more fixated because this is one of Stalin's main hobby horses, on the social democrats themselves, the social fascists as they were referred to. There was little chance of a popular front against fascism emerging in Germany and the reason for that is because uh, Stalin forbade it. Uh, he saw um, moderate social democrats as being far more dangerous than the Nazis. He thought the Nazis were a strange temporary aberration uh, and a, a kind of a tool of capitalism to attack the working class. But the um, uh, social democrats in the eyes of the Stalinists were much, much worse because these were the uh, types of um, uh, accommodationists, those who would make their, their peace with capitalism, not seek to overthrow it, uh, and hope for some minor concessions for the working class. This was the um, uh, KPD and the Stalinist view. And thus, uh, in, 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 and thus keep um, the parties of capitalism or the, the hegemonic forces of capitalism in power uh, by kind of taking uh, any sort of revolutionary energy out of the working classes um, by gradually improving their living standards. Uh, and so by dividing the left, by making sure that there was little chance of either the communists or the SPD uh, unifying, seeing eye to eye, and and uh, standing up despite their differences, 
to uh, Nazism. Uh, the Nazis were, uh, as a kind of a, a significant minority, but a minority nonetheless, uh, a minority party nonetheless, able to divide and rule. When Talman was thrown in jail in 1933, um, Ulbricht made himself scarce and lived in Prague between 1933 and 1937. But one of his key roles was uh, as a Stalinist in Spain. Um, Ulbricht went to Spain and identified uh, German members of the international brigades who were not sufficiently Stalinist and ensured that they were um, at certain points taken out and shot. Um, he made sure um, that uh, within the uh, German battalions of the international brigades that um, Stalinism uh, was in the uh, ascendancy. And so Spain uh, in many ways was a, a kind of a, a great proving ground to show that the uh, that uh, Ulbricht, as a, a rising star in Stalin's eyes, had what Stalin would have viewed as as the kind of the the, the, the toughness, the the kind of the brutalness um, that revolution is needed in, in order to see revolutionary ideas triumph. He tried to persuade Willy Munzberg, the uh, founder of the KPD, to go to the Soviet Union in 1936, saying ominously that the Soviet Union would, in inverted commas, take care of him. Um, Willy Munzberg, um, reading between the lines, knew fully what this implied and wisely turned down um, Ulbricht. Uh, he later fled to Paris, uh, but was uh, interned uh, during the war uh, by the Deladier government and died in mysterious circumstances, possibly at the hands of the French Communist Party, uh, in uh, a, a, of a forest uh, in France. Um, so uh, Ulbricht again ha serves this uh, role as kind of enforcer for Stalin, um, not really doing much of the dirty work himself, but ensuring that Stalin's reach um, uh, pervaded uh, Europe. And it was through these sorts of networks and these kinds of loyalties that Stalinism was able to pervade European Communist Party. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. 
Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Anna Applebaum uh, writes again. Even after the signing of the Hitler-Stalin Pact in 1939, he stuck to his support for Stalin. This moment provoked a great crisis among German communists, most of whom were passionate and genuine anti-Nazis. Ulbricht was, the, uh, was one of the few who did not waver. Even after Stalin sent several hundred German communists back to Hitler's concentration camps at Hitler's request, Ulbricht continued to agitate against primitive anti-fascism, meaning anti-fascism which did not allow for nuances such as pacts with fascists. Perhaps it was then that he won the Soviet dictator's trust. And that, again, I would perhaps agree with, with uh, Anne Applebaum uh, there, that um, those who managed to stay the course of party loyalty following the shock of the Nazi-Soviet pact, which uh, disillusioned uh, countless fellow travellers in the West um, and led to the abandonment of Communist Party membership um, across Europe, those that managed to stay the course were certainly in Stalin's eyes very special individuals uh, indeed. There was something of the kind of the, the wooden bureaucrat about Ulbricht, uh, and again, this would perhaps have appealed to Stalin, who was very suspicious of uh, those with an, an air for showmanship or flamboyance, the, the likes of Trotsky, um, or um, at the end of the Second World War, Zhukov, uh, and his uh, uh, collection of medals, which Stalin felt uh, very resentful uh, about. However, whatever charisma he lacked um, when he came to power, um, both in the Communist Party and then uh, as head of state uh, of the new East German state, it was known implicitly that he was Stalin's choice, and therefore he was the recipient of patronage. And this patronage gave um, Ulbricht uh, everything he needed. Um, he was uh, a loyal servant who uh, repaid uh, the faith that Stalin had placed in him. Um, and in one, one key example, was willing to tolerate any excesses of the Red Army uh, in Germany, any crimes of the Red Army in uh, Germany, um, and uh, refused to discuss the issue of Red Army rapes of German women. One of his colleagues wrote, uh, Ulbricht's workload amazed even his enemies. We kept asking ourselves, how can Ulbricht keep up 12 or 14, sometimes 16 hours a day? His party colleagues began to realise, however, that um, the problem here was that he was simply receiving uh, endless diktats from Moscow um, and this immense workload was him simply deciding how those diktats uh, would be interpreted. So it is you know, a heavy workload, perhaps not necessarily a challenging one. Um, and it was a, a, a case in some ways of deciding who would suffer most as a result of Stalin's whims. So let's talk about Beirut. Um, in uh, comparison to Ulbrich, Beirut is a very different figure. Um, described by Anne Applebaum as a, as a far shadier character. Um, she writes, He probably came from eastern Poland, a region 
which was part of the Russian Empire until 1917, and it seems he went to a Russian-language school. Like Stalin's parents, Bayrut's parents hoped he would be a priest. But after he participated in the strikes which broke out across the Russian Empire in 1905, he was expelled from school and had to work. Some sources think he might have joined the Freemasons, but others disagree. All do agree that he joined the party very early on, and that he attended the Comintern's International Lenin School in Moscow in the 1920s. So once again, Comintern features in this story very heavily as a kind of a training school for party apparatchiks. And the, the other thing that, that's really interesting about Boleslav Byrut's uh, origins is that he emerges, as so many uh, key figures in um, the history of the Soviet Union and Eastern Europe do, from the kind of the chaos of the, the breakup of one of the uh, three great empires, um, Habsburg, uh, Romanov, and uh, Hohenzollern, the German. So uh, Bayreuth, like Ulbricht, a, a kind of a non-entity in Germany uh, for the most part, well, a non-entity in Poland, just as Ulbricht was in, in, in Germany, very loosely known, vaguely known at all, he uh, his power comes from not being uh, politically uh, known or valued in his home country, but being politically valued by Comintern. So he travelled round Europe in the 1930s on the Soviet uh, Communist Party's behalf in Austria, Czechoslovakia and Bulgaria. During the war, very little is known about Bayreuth. He seems to vanish into uh, the Soviet Union. Uh, leaving behind uh, a, a wife and child. Um, and he seems to also have been um, capable of working for um, the Nazi administration in Minsk uh, when the, the city uh, is occupied. Um, it was probable, though it's not entirely proven, that he was a Soviet agent uh, at the time, um, but it's entirely possible that he uh, saw himself as a survivor making do. He may well have uh, worked for the Gestapo, as has been suggested by some, uh, but that's never been kind of proven. Um, Stalin often admired um, men who were capable of kind of ruthless cynicism um, and saw it is a kind of a, a kind of almost a, a benefit, and it was always a, a good means of uh, of blackmailing. But he was always quick to um, adopt whatever party line was uh, fashionable, particularly the idea that one should not collaborate, collaborate, or Polish communists should not collaborate with uh, anti-communist uh, Polish partisans in a uh, united front against the Nazis during the war. Uh, this was something that Stalin rejected, particularly because after Stalingrad, the uh, uh, fate of Germany, but also the fate of Poland, was written, and Stalin knew it. And Stalin knew that uh, strengthening uh, anti-communist forces before the Red Army marched into Poland would only weaken his hand later on. So Matthias Rakosi, um, the third of the the kind of the the triumvirate of, of little Stalins. Um, who was far more kind of uh, flamboyant uh, character, um, the son of a, a Jewish merchant, 
um, and well educated. He was uh, born uh, into a Hungarian speaking part of what would now be Serbia uh, and was the fourth uh, child in a family of 12. So his father, who had uh, gone bankrupt when he was six years old, um, moved the family from kind of relatively affluent to kind of relatively modest circumstances. Um, and the, this seems to have kind of drawn him towards uh, revolutionary politics as, as he grew through his teenage years. Um, he was a kind of a, a very difficult uh, student in, in school, very rebellious. It's interesting, you can see a lot of this in, in Stalin uh, as well. And um, in 1918, he helped found the Hungarian Communist Party. He'd been both a political prisoner at this point and also served in the army. In 1919, he was one of the leaders of the uh, Belakun's um, Hungarian Soviet uh, Republic, which was eventually crushed by Romania. Um, and the, in this three-month period, he managed to become the Commander-in-Chief of the Red Guard, Commissar for Production, and Deputy Commissioner for Commerce. And when the Hungarian Soviet Republic collapsed, he made his way via Austria, via, via an Austrian prison, to Moscow, um, as did Bela Kun, uh, where in 1921 he briefly uh, met Lenin. Um, and this would be transformed into a kind of like a, a, a monomyth about Matthias Rakosi. Uh, which uh, would be that he was a kind of like one of the, the, the one of Lenin's chosen. He was a friend and collaborator, and uh, kind of one of the, the the one of the people who was on par with Lenin. Which is a total fantasy. Um, again, a, another um, Comintern uh, activist, and during the during the nineteen twenties and thirties, and he was uh, allowed to travel to the Soviet Union in nineteen forty, um, when. As a result of the uh, Nazi-Soviet pact, um, uh, Admiral Horthy's uh, Hungary um, allowed um, political prisoners or uh, uh, allowed emigration uh, from um, the uh, from Hungary to the Soviet Union, particularly the transmission of imprisoned communists. Anna Applebaum writes: Upon arrival, he received a hero's welcome, and even stood beside Stalin during the year's celebration on the, uh, great of the October Revolution. He quickly became one of the leaders of Kossuth Radio, Kossuth being the, one of the, the liberal nationalist revolutionaries of 1848 in, in Hungary, uh, which was already uh, broadcasting Soviet propaganda into Hungary and resumed his close ties with the Comintern leaders. And thoroughly at home in the USSR, he even managed to marry a Soviet prosecutor, uh, a Yakut woman, who his first uh, husband had been a Red Army officer. Rokosi's career as Hungary's little Stalin followed that of his fellow dictators in another respect. Rokosi reckoned uh, early on the only way to get ahead and to stay on top was to slavishly follow the edicts of Stalin. Throughout the post-war period, the Hungarian Communist Party made no important decisions without Soviet approval, as Rokosi readily admitted. In his memoirs, he wrote frankly, for example, that Stalin asked him to stay out of negotiations which formed the first post-war government in 1945 on the grounds that Rokosi was too closely associated with the 1919 government. In other words, he was too communist, and also because he was Jewish, a fact which might be used against him by his political opponents.
because he did not object on either count. So there you have these three important figures, um, and we'll be returning to them fairly, fairly shortly um, and looking at how the, the, the three of them began to shape the new post-war order in Eastern Europe after 1945. Anyway, thanks very much for listening, and I'll catch you on the next Explaining History podcast. All the best. Bye-bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.